So what was it like growing up in Kenya? Um, so I guess I would start off by just saying um, it was wonderful. You know, I, rem- I have, like, great memories in Kenya. I grew up there. I, was, I went to school basically all the way through fifth grade there, so all my elementary experience was there. Um, you know, I had my family, which is made up of one brother, two sisters, and myself. And then we had, you know, we had really close family friends. I had my best friend growing up there. Growing up there was just, it was different. It was a different world. I miss it. I have great fond memories of that. Um, it's funny because when I tell people, when I, obviously when I was in um, middle school here, when I would tell people that I grew up in Kenya, the first thing they would ask me is like, were there like giraffes and lions in your backyard? You know, like that's the image people get. Yeah. And I was like, not really. We actually lived in a town. But um, a cool story was every Thursday my dad would take us for a drive and like 10 miles away from our town that we lived in, there was a two-lane highway. And cars at sunset would like there'd be traffic backed up, and the reason the traffic would be backed up at sunset is because we could get out of the car and sit on the front of the car and watch the giraffes cross the two lane highway. Wow. It was gorgeous. Yeah, so that was like one of my favorite memories there. That's why giraffes my favorite animal. Just a side note. Yeah. So growing up there was very, very, very different, but very good. Had a great experience. So how did Growing up in Kenya, I guess, how did it mold your cultural perspective? And how difficult would you say was it moving to America and making the switch? Um, You know, growing up in Kenya, I would say that it all starts in your family unit, right? Your family's values, their beliefs, their morals. My parents from a very early age told us, like the siblings and I, one day at dinner table that one day we're all going to move to the United States. We didn't know when it was going to happen, how it was going to happen, but they were adamant that we were going to move. And the only reason they told us that is because we were going to move for a great education. Like that was a non-negotiable for us. So very early on age, my parents, out of the four siblings, I had, um, I was lucky enough to go to an international school. And so the international school had kids from all over the world. We had people from China, um, You know, like I remember South America, Canada, Great Britain, India. So in that sense, I feel like my elementary world experience was very diverse. I learned a lot of different perspectives. I got to meet different families because our family friends were families from the international school. So when when we moved here, um, the four of us, along with my mom, my mom and dad, they made a huge sacrifice. They stayed apart for five years. They didn't see each other. So it was just my mom and the four kids. We moved here. We lived in New Jersey for the first year, and then we moved to Kansas City. And the reason we lived in New Jersey is because my aunt lived there. So you go where your family is. And then we moved to Kansas City because we had another aunt there. So we all went there. But I started my sixth grade here, and that was – it was hard. I mean, it, it was it was a new country. I was lucky enough that I spoke English because my family knew we were going to move to the United States and they made sure English was our primary language. But still, you have a different accent. You don't know, um, like, what choir class is. I don't know what gym is. Like, I've never been exposed to that. I didn't even know what a locker was. I'm like, what is this? You know, because I'm used to being in a setting where the teachers rotated, you know, and we always stayed in the classrooms. So it was a completely different shift. I remember I I was made fun of, like, how I would pronounce certain words, like I would say pizza, 
And they're like, wait, what is that? And I'm like, it's pizza, pizza for lunch. And they're like, it's not pizza, it's pizza. Like things like that, right? Um, so it was hard, but what I loved that was that I made friends really quick and the friends would stand up for me. Um, I had teachers who were phenomenal in New Jersey my first year there. They would like explain, because I, I looked different than everyone else. You know, I, I sounded different than everyone else, but I remember the teachers were so accepting and so were like my close friends. So you get through it, right? You talk about it. Um, as a family, we never spoke about it though. Now that I think back, you know, I would go to school, do my thing, come home. Parents, my mom would say, how was your day? And I'd be like, fine, because I didn't want to burden her because she was already stressed enough. So I think that adjusting to American customs was a little easier for me than it was for my siblings because I had the international school experience. Um, but you know, I think the cultural perspective was, I think I was better prepared because of the diverse perspectives I was used to in Kenya. Mm. So it helped me, I thought. I couldn't imagine making that kind of transition, especially not even being an adult yet. That's just yeah. yeah, that was difficult, I must say. But I, again, I was very lucky that my siblings were amazing and they worked. I watched them rule. Um, work two to three jobs. Um, and they went to school because, remember, our focus was education. So we wanted to make sure that we were doing whatever we needed to, to get a good education because then we would be successful. Wow, yeah. So you mentioned that your parents moved here for the sole purpose of mm -hmm. giving you and your siblings a better education. But mm -hmm. how exactly did they promote that even before or after coming here? Sure, that's a great question. So one of my other favorite memories in Kenya is when it was our birthday. The one thing that we didn't really, like, my parents would throw us a party and we'd have our friends and everything, but what made it special is that my mom would, our birthday gift was our mom, my mom would take us to a bookstore in Kenya, and our gift was to go and buy books. And so, like, even in our houses, like, in their bedroom were books everywhere. So they instilled in us, like, the importance of reading, the importance of education. And then when we moved here, though, it completely switched because my mom had no idea how the school system works here, right? So all of a sudden, I saw her just become real quiet. She never, my all my middle school, high school experience, she never attended parent-teacher conferences. She never came to, like, curriculum night because she didn't know what those were, right? So it was left up to us to, like, navigate that system. So I remember in sixth grade, I, I just did what my friends did. My older siblings had already, they're quite a bit older, so my older sibling was a senior in high school, and then the other two were done with high school, so they were like college age, working age. So the, so the K through 12 experience was really just left up to us. Like I had to figure out, you know, when the counselor comes and registers you for classes for high school, it was like, okay, I guess I just signed up for classes. No one guided me, like, you should take this class, you should do this. Um, it, we learned it all on our own. And then we would explain to my parents, um, and then even translating it, right? They didn't speak English that fluently. So, like, whatever grade cards, like, I would get, they would just look for the A's. <laughs> if it was anything below an A, they were like, what's happening? Um, so I remember I had to explain a B in calculus one time, and that was not a pretty conversation. Um, but I think they just continued to instill that when you come home, their their contribution was when you come home, like, you, you have, like, you know, here's your snack and here's your time you work on, like, your homework. 
of course you can have friends, you can go to your friend's house, they can come over, but they made they made sure that they knew that education, they made sure I knew education was important at the same time. Like, it was a good balance, I felt like. At, at that age, I didn't feel like it, but now looking back, I feel like it was. So, what is the earliest perception of a career path that you can recall, either from Kenya or after moving here? I don't, you know, like everyone in education has like a specific story, like a specific teacher that made them go into teaching or specific like administrator. I have one, like my journalism teacher was phenomenal in high school. He, I remember high school, um, freshman year, I didn't know what classes to take. So I was like, newspaper sounds great. I signed up. Um, and right away he gravitated and he's like, you are going to be amazing. So he like believed in me. Then all of a sudden, like the next thing I know, I was a front page editor, and then I became the editor of the newspaper, right? Like, it, it, wow. he believed in me, but I wouldn't say that's the reason I went into education. I think I went into education just because I loved school. Like, I truly loved being in school. I liked helping students, and we moved continents for education, right? Like, my family sacrificed so much. Um, but my career path is kind of different from everybody else because my family said you have four choices you could be a doctor a lawyer, an engineer, or a pharmacist. And that's all I was going to be. So my older sister, the senior in high school, she got a full scholarship to be a pharmacist. She became a pharmacist. I then, as a senior, had a Fulbright scholarship, the exact same one at the exact same university to be a pharmacist. I, of course, I accepted it. I went to pharmacy school the first year. But one thing my parents always said is you have to work while you're going to school. Like you have some sort of job. So I worked in a pharmacy and I hated it. I was like, what is this? I mean, my whole, all my, well, most of my family members are doctors and pharmacists, but I was like, I can't do this. And so I told my family and they were like, oh, okay, well then you can be a nurse. And I was like, okay, because you never want to disappoint your parents. I think that's part of the pressure that we feel. So I was like, okay. So then I moved um, I went to, I moved out of the house because I was going to like UMKC, which is a closer school to home. And I went and I said, the only way I'm going to go to nursing is if you let me leave home and go off campus to the University of Kansas. So I'm a Jayhawk. Like you'll see KU stuff everywhere. Um, so they said, okay, deal. So I moved out of the house. I went to the college campus, got a real college experience, and then did my nursing school, got accepted to nursing. And then I remember calling my parents who were at that time in India. So at this point, fast forward, they'd already retired, moved to India. And I said, hey, I got accepted into nursing school. And they were like, great. And I said, yeah, but I don't think that's what I want to do. And they were like, are you kidding me? You, you just spent another year and a half, and you have all these degrees, like, like hours in science, and you're not going to do this. And, I said, and that was really, like, courageous for me to do. Like, I was yeah. so scared. And they were like, oh, my gosh. Okay, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I think I want to go into education. And I remember there was a pause, and they were like, well, why didn't you tell us this earlier? We could have saved a couple of years. I'm like, why do you want to, like, disappoint you? Um, and they were like, oh, my gosh, okay, this is what's going to make you happy, um, and you can you see yourself in it, fine. And so that's how I got into education, and I actually ended up um, getting a science education degree because I had all the hours in science, and I loved it. And so then I became, a, like, a high school science teacher, and as I was being a high school science teacher, remember my parents always said, you keep learning. So I got my master's and then I got my doctorate in leadership. And 
I never, I always saw myself in a classroom teaching. And then I had people along the way who would say, you know, you would be really good at administration. You should try it. And I remember saying, no, I don't think so. I, I love what I do. And they're like, no, try it. And so I ended up interviewing for a position and I got the first, you know, the first assistant principal position at a high school. And then that's my career just went from there. Like then two years later, they're like, you should apply for this. And you should have, people always like reached out to me and saw something in me that I didn't even see. So they were like, you should, you should push yourself and try it. And I would try it. And then I became an assistant soup and then a superintendent. And now here I am. But the thing I love is that I still get to work with our students, right? Like that to me, that's what's, that's what drives me every day. Like I never think of work as work. Like I get excited. I'm like, Oh my gosh, let's go to work. My favorite day of the week. No joke is Monday. Like, like I'm like, okay, it's Monday. Let's go. I'm excited. People are like, you're, I don't know about that, but I love Mondays. So I love what I do, and I'm, I'm grateful that I got the opportunities to give back now, I always feel, in a certain way. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So how do you feel that um, – how would you feel that your, your entire background, summatively, I, I would mm -hmm. assume, that, mm -hmm. how has that influenced the way you operate and make decisions as a superintendent? I would say that it really, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's about your beliefs. It's about what you're, um, what you value. Um, it's about how you treat people. It's about relationships and all that I learned from my family. And I learned that by watching people as I grew up, you know, like in um, high school, in middle school, and then in college, and then working, right, as a teacher, as an educator. Um, you learn a lot just by watching and listening. I'm more of that person I observe. I I truly believe that you want to treat people like you would want to be treated, you know, as the saying goes. And so even if there's a courageous conversation that needs to be happened, you approach it within a dignified way. You know, um, you make sure people, like, feel like they are heard, that they are as, as important in front of you. And as a superintendent, I think it's important to even model that, right? Um there are times, of course, I'm human. There are times that I get frustrated. There are times where I'm like, okay, let's let's move on something faster than maybe other people need to be. But I always try and remember, like, what's the end goal? If the end goal, whatever way we get there, if it takes a little bit longer, if it means more voices need to be heard, then that's what we do. But I really believe it goes back to, like, I value education. I believe in people. And I believe in relationships. And I believe in hard work. I truly believe. And then finally, my parents always taught me to be humble. Like, you're, you're you know, whatever you do, um, it's because of everyone else. If the success is there, it's not you. So I just try to keep that in mind, even in this role as a superintendent. Yeah. Hmm. So have you faced any obstacles or challenges, would you say, as a member of the AAPI group? I would say if there were any obstacles or challenges, I think in the most innocent lens, I would say coming into this country, you know, you know how you you look different, you sound different. And I mentioned that I mispronounced words, my way of thinking about things could be different. So people at, at first who didn't know me would judge me 
um, would say things about me that were not nice, that are hurtful, especially as like a sixth grader, you know. Um, but I, I always, and my parents helped me understand this, I always believed it's because they just don't know me as a person. Once they started asking me questions, once they would open up to me a little more, then they would be like, oh, that actually makes sense, you know. Um, so that's how I kind of look at it even as an adult. People say things sometimes still to me, and I just they just don't know me as a person, right? And once they get to know that person, then they I feel like it's a completely different conversation. Um, and so I think that one of the other challenges also comes along as being a, a member of the group is the stereotype, right? Mm -hmm. You are going to work harder. You're going to be better at math than anyone else, which I'm not. I was not great at math, truly. Um, but I, I, I worked hard at it, and so I could be. Um, and I enjoyed solving problems, so I actually started, like, gravitating towards it. So some of those that you will be successful, and there, there comes a pressure with that, and absolutely there was that pressure on me as well from my family. But I think even from the outside world that we're just supposed to be perfect almost all the time. You know, and that's a that's a hard burden to carry, I think, for a lot of um, AAP, AAPI members. It, it it is, and it's almost like you can't show your feelings all the time, and you know. Um, so some of those challenges, I think, are absolutely there. But I always go back to my inner circle and people who know me and trust me and believe in me, and then we talk about those. Um, in fact, just I think. I would say about a year ago, it was my sister and I walking into Deerbirds, the grocery store. We parked our cars, and I happened to get out of the car, like, from a different side. Like, I wasn't driving. She was. But for some reason, I, you know, the normal path of, like, going around, I went around the car. And I was walking in into the store, and this couple started coming towards us. And they were a super nice couple. And... Um, I, I always say when I see people, I'm like, good morning. And the and the, the wife said, good morning, but the gentleman, I still remember, said, you need to go back to your country and learn where to walk on the side of the road. And that kind of jarred me because they were coming in one direction. I was walking the same direction. I guess I should have been on the other side of the road. I, I don't know. But it kind of jarred me at that moment, you know, when he said, you need to go back to your country and learn what side of the road to walk on. Yeah. So that – it. You know, the moment, moments are like, moments like that remind you, like, oh, there are people who still need a lot of learning to do, a lot of understanding to do. And I think it really, like, at that moment, I, I, I just kind of brushed it off. But my sister, I remember, was very upset about it. Um, or and I, and I was like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. But then I thought about it, and I'm like, oh, it wasn't fine. You know, because it, it does impact them. But then it goes back to me and how I want to treat people. And what kind of learning that still needs to happen? So different yeah. perspectives. That's just one example. I have some others, but that's one that I just remember that happened recently. Yeah. How recently did that happen? It was a year ago. Oh. Yeah. So it's not recent, like you know, a few weeks ago, but it was about a year ago. Yeah. So the last question here: <laughs> How would you sum up the experiences you've had here as? Not only an AAPI member, but just how people have how people yeah. have interacted with you and how you describe that. 
I would say the experience here in Clayton and in our Clayton community has been exceptional. Um, everyone is so open. Everyone asks questions. They want to know about the cult, your culture. They want to know about the kind of food you eat. They want to know where you grew up. Um, and I think that's what makes a great community, right? If we keep saying and our strategic goals, even one of them is a place for everyone, that everyone feels like there's a belonging there. And I really believe that in our district, we are definitely working towards that. I feel that people, if there are incidences, we hear about it, and then we talk about it and say, okay, how do we make sure this doesn't happen again? And I, and I think for me and my lived experiences, I think that helps as well. But in, in this community, I just, I feel, I do, I feel at home. And this is, I think, I was thinking about it the other day. So we celebrate Diwali, you know, um, one of our traditional holidays. And I think it's the first time as an educator that I posted a picture of me and my nieces in our traditional clothes. And, and I felt that because I was like, I can do it here. You know, and people were asking me about what, how do you wear those clothes or what do you do on those days, et cetera. Like it, it, it's, it's empowering and I want all our kids to feel that way. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I hope I answered those questions like what you were thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That was great. Thank you. Yeah, you bet.